podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There's more to working from home than emails. So you need Wi-Fi with reliable speed, the most in-home coverage, and built-in security. You need Xfinity XFi. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chesley Hour. My name is Meads. I'll be your host for this um, for this one. Um, we've got two guests. Um, we're joined by Jay, uh, infuri- uh, infuriated Jay. What are you saying, bro? <laughs> What's going on, bro? <laughs> you oh, sound man. so downtrodden, man. <laughs> so um, and Joe, what are you saying, bro? Man, I had to leave work early today. I was sitting there from like nine o'clock till like 11, fuming. <laughs> like to the point where people weren't coming up and asking me stuff. I was just sitting there. People could tell, like, did Chelsea get beat last night? I was just looking up, like, let's not do this. Yeah. So about lunchtime, I was like, yeah, lads, I'm going home. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so, yeah, apart from that, it's been a fantastic week. Yeah, it's been great apart from that. But. Oh, man. Well, we can talk, we'll touch on the, the, the calamity, which was the West Ham game. Um, a little bit later on in the pod. But firstly, we want to talk, talk about a, a win um, against Leicester City in the FA Cup. Um, first of all, Jay, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, obviously, a lot of talk was about Frank Lampard and his treatment of, um, you know, his no-nonsense treatment of Gilmore, uh, Mason Mount and Rhys James. Um, did you think it was justified, one? And two, how did you think the game kind of went? Because um, I feel like a, it was a tale of two halves, really and truly. Yeah, I think um, I, I, we looked really, really like sloppy in the first half. I think um, obviously we went on with Kante at, at DM. Um, uh, obviously Lampard played Billy Gilmore um, further forward. And yeah, and, and Reese James came in. But I don't know. Like with Reese James, I wasn't too shocked because I think we'd all said, we'd, we'd all said like from when he had his little cameo before that against Villa that he just looked 
off the pace and he'd, and he'd come back from an injury. So, yeah, but still very, very poor from him, like in terms of just the way he carried himself in the game and that like, it, just, it just didn't look great. And then with Gilmore, it was the weird one for me because I just feel like where he's been comfortable since coming into the team has been in that deeper role. So I don't know. He, he was probably caught off guard. I think people should not forget as well that Leicester are one of the better sides this season. I know they're on a slump now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're playing terrible. I don't, I don't necessarily think Leicester are playing like really bad. You're on mute, Meads. Meads, you're on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> My bad. Let me interrupt. Um, the thing is with Leicester, what I think has happened is um, generally in the midfield play, it seems to be doing quite decently. Um, their general build-up's okay. Nothing's necessarily bad. It's just they're not able to be incisive enough or penetrate uh, their defences. Um, yeah. And as a result, they're not getting any chances to Vardy. And Vardy's movement and I guess his style of play has adapted a little bit. He's less... Um, I want to say troublesome to the fences now because he only yeah. makes his movements when it comes to trying to get an opportunity to score. He's not running the channels as he used to. Um, so the, the runs and then therefore the passes are very, very economical in, in regards to breaking teams down. Um, so where James Madison wasn't so playing yeah. and where James Madison wasn't playing, he wasn't ever getting that pass. So he wasn't really necessarily threatening. However, um, they did look the more imposing side. They looked way more in control and we couldn't keep the ball. Um, and Billy Gilmore was a large part of that reason. Um, and I wouldn't say necessarily that was just because of Gilmore. I felt like the midfield composition was all wrong. Um, generally speaking, when we speak about Gilmore and his qualities, um, Joe, you can come in on this as well. Um, but when we talk about Gilmore, we know that his best position is in a deeper role. What was your thoughts, Joe, about why... Why did you think Lampard put Gilmore as the eight and Kante as the deep line player? Because I, 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 for me, I'm baffled. Yeah. I mean, I think when I first saw the, the lineup, I, I assumed that uh, Gilmore was, was playing at DM and Kante was back at, back at right centre mid. So <laughs> I think it's, it's possibly a continuation of Lampard trying to, to convert Kante into being more of a pure holding player. Mm. And I have heard it previously about Billy playing as an eight. And I think, you know, when we've spoken about uh, a little bit of lack of creativity and passing quality in the final third, I have seen certainly Billy play as a 10 and as number eight for the academy, being able to do that sort of stuff. So I think maybe there was some logic behind that. But taking that step into the into the first team, particularly in that midfield, I think Tiedemans was, was everywhere in the first half physically. Yeah. You know, he didn't have the time, he didn't have the space. And I think the thing as well, people forget because he's had two good games, you know, when he when it started going a bit wrong for him, it kind of compounded. It was a bit of a snowball effect, you know. The yeah. touch was lit, was letting him down. The passing, I don't think it's really a reflection of him. You know, you're playing 10, 10 meters further, further forward up the pitch. Mm. In this case, um, and his game for me is is not about receiving the ball back to goal or playing on the half turn. It's about taking the ball, facing the game up, and then playing those passes. Mm -hmm. You know, being the, the distributor in the team, not someone who like like Ruben who can receive the ball, turn, roll people, and go. I think I think Billy is, is it can can do that probably in in a couple of years time, but at the moment for me he's more of a face game and sort of try and dictate things. So a little bit weird, and I think the uh, you know the, the kind of Kante experiment that sort of is going on as well. I, I, I just assume that he'd be back at right centre mid. You know, combat uh, Leicester's obviously 
the sort of energy they have in midfield and how they sort of like to play the game from there. As you say, they're not massive on build-up, but they're very big in terms of running and pressing and yeah. how they try and it play. Was, so I felt, it was very odd, like, because I saw the way yeah. it was um, shaping up. In the first five minutes, I'm thinking, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And I saw Kante dropping back deeper and I thought, nah, this ain't it. This is definitely not it. And then there were some times where I'm seeing Mount drop deeper as well. So it seemed like they were like alternating. Yeah. Which was so, so strange. It was so, so strange. And I just didn't like how it was set up. I didn't like how it was building. I didn't like how we were building. Obviously, with Zuma and Rudiger at, at the back, um, I feel like generally our play, our passing will be slower because um, they're not going to be um, yeah. wrapping it into feet or being able to find or progress a, a play or break lines. So generally, we're all quite haphazard back there. Um, but I'm all, I wouldn't say we're fortunate to get um, in at halftime at nil-nil, but I did feel like Leicester looked the more threatening. And as a yeah. result, we just looked abject. Um, so our forward line looked quite poor. Um, yeah. Kudicic, again, was a good threat. Um, but in the first half, I didn't think he played particularly well. But that's not his fault because he didn't really get the ball. And the quality of passes that he was getting was poor. Um, because, again, yeah. the midfield wasn't connecting and it just looked just dire, really and truly. Um, so no surprises that Frank at um, halftime made the substitution. I was kind of surprised because I did think that, you know what, if Billy's having a bad game, then put him to, in a position where he knows best to play. Um, yeah. So but he didn't do that. Um, and I guess credit to him. He brought on um, Barkley and um, Gilmore, uh, Barkley and Kovacic. And Kovacic was fantastic. The moment he came on the pitch, um, I think he brought uh, an element of control to the game. Barkley as well looked pretty decent. Um, I felt like he was kept trying to do things. And he wasn't as passive as um, I'd, I'd say Mount was. Because Mount was buzzing around. But again, he was looking a bit busy. But wasn't really Lucky. anything of substance at all. Um, yeah. But then when Barkley came on, he was looking to try and be a bit more incisive. Um, but with the Barkley situation, you kind of saw um, a bit of what we, we talk about Barkley on this podcast all the time. Um, <laughs> you get some good things from him and you get some bad things from him. Um, yeah. It's just whether or not you, as an individual, are willing to accept the flaws, um, like the downsides with the upsides. Um, so with his goal, obviously, it was fantastic. Willing, again, with a, um, a great crossing, a great pick out from the right-hand side. Um, and William, to be fair, he was quite poor that game as well. But, again, he, um, he, created, he created a goal, um, which is becoming a bit of a theme for William um, in this side of um, the season. Um, but, yeah, good run from Barkley. Um, and, yeah, it was a good finish. It was a good finish. But then, Jay, I kind of want you to touch on this because after his goal, um, Barkley kind of reverted back into... Um, the boss you know. Yeah, basically. <laughs> this is this is this is the the massive, massive issue that I think majority of people have. And I think like obviously a lot of people talk about consistency and, and all this type kind of stuff. But I think in terms of consistency and performances, I think this season, when I've looked back, yeah, Barkley's been involved in quite a lot of good moments and good games that we've had. Fair. Mm. But there's also consistency in terms of doing the basic things very, very well. Mm-hmm. And Barkley struggles with that so much. He struggles with it a lot. Like, you, fair enough, he comes on, he scores a goal and he looks bright. And, yeah. uh, and props to him for that. He did come on in the other, and he had a decent game. But at, remember, he's playing for Chelsea. Yeah? We're meant to be a top club. So 
when you're at this top club and you're and you're you're trying to be a starter for this club, yeah, you're trying to be a top player. This is what you want people to see: a top top player. Those decisions that you get wrong for Loftus Cheek, that can't happen. Yeah, that can't happen. It's yeah. too simple. It's too simple of a chance to mess up. And if anyone's not um, quite up to speed with what happened, um, this was a four versus three counter attack. Um, um, we're transitioning well. Barkley picks up the ball. He carries it a couple of yards. <laughs> And Ruben off the cheek is free. All he needs to do is slide it in front of him. And Ruben's got a shot on goal. Um, Barkley's carrying it, carrying it. And he passed it behind Ruben. Ruben literally has to almost break his leg to retrieve it and pass it back to keep the move flowing. And then Barkley has a shot. And um, yeah, it's saved. It was a good shot. But it was just such a poor decision. And I feel like what you see with Barkley, that, 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 that moment, so him scoring, so from him scoring to that, encapsulates Barkley's career perfectly where he shows you good moments and shows you moments of quality but then also shows you absolutely terrible brain almost like brain dead moments where he's not necessarily thinking about doing the right things or he's overthinking and it just is terrible it's terrible play it's it's so frustrating and that because I feel like Barkley in that moment if he was to go on and give an assist and pass, and like, do a good pass. That the game's dead. Game's done. Yeah, rest. done. Let's rest. You know, there's a lot more recovery. It, like, in terms of, it just it has a, it will then have a snowball effect, and then it becomes very tense. So the game then suddenly becomes very tense. Um, Leicester start looking threatening again, but again, thanks to Kovacic um, and Kante, they started doing a lot of um, dog work, and man, we managed to snuff it out and get the result. But it was just a lot harder than it needed to be. And I feel like the problem with our season, the problem that we've had with our season is the, the clinical, the lack of clinical edge. And that's always been yeah. a, a, not a just consistent. It's been consistent. It's been consistent. Yeah, it's not just him, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not just Barkley. Yeah. We can't blame yeah. that all solely on Barkley because Barkley, again, <laughs> yeah, is a squad yeah, player. Barkley yeah. is a squad player. So we, we can't... Yeah. The problem is we can't start scapegoating squad players. And you know what we're like on this pod. When it comes to squad players, we have a degree of empathy and understanding that Whilst they're squad players, they're not going to be fresh all the time. They're not going to be used to match with them, etc. So with Bar- in Barkley's case, I, 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 would use, I wouldn't use that on him simply because I've seen Barkley throughout his career. So from when he's a starter to where he's a squad player now, I, this no, is what he is. This isn't, you know what I mean? This is what, this is what he is. What you see is what you get. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of, you know, so that kind of leads quite nicely onto... Um, I guess uh, our match against West Ham. So obviously, late, earlier in the day, um, Everton beat Leicester two um, one um, at Goodison, um, and Leicester were abject again. Um, they they piled on the pressure late in the in the second half, but Chelsea had an opportunity to go two points clear of um, of Leicester and solidify and secure pretty much their position in the top four. And by getting moving into third, and um, Leicester's got terrible fixtures coming up as well. Um, and I felt generally I felt like if we won that game against West Ham that's top four done for us I think we're, we're secure I, generally speaking I would have felt like yeah this is that's enough because the London derby you get momentum generally speaking and also you've overcome an obstacle and that obstacle yeah. is Leicester and I feel like every time we've had a moment to overcome or move on in a position we've never taken it yeah. If you look at the form table and if you look at our average position in the league in the season, it's been fourth. And it's never gone above that. 
And that's because it's not that we've never had opportunities to go higher, but every time an opportunity presents itself, we always fall down. And I don't understand what it is. Maybe Frank is right in regards to mentality, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I, gen, I genuinely don't know because I feel like it's, it's so strange that a club and a set of players can produce a performance like they did against Manchester City where concentration was on 10 throughout um, yep. and then go against West Ham and look just devoid of ideas and quite abject. I, I genuinely felt like our attacking play was poor. And when I saw this, first of all, we'll, we'll, we'll start again and go back from the beginning of the match. So I saw a couple of names on the team sheet, which got me worried straight away. So, to, yeah, when the team was announced at 7.15, I saw a couple of names and I thought, ooh, okay. So I saw Christiansen, I saw Rudiger, I saw Alonso, obviously Kepa, and Tammy Abraham. So Tammy was the real big concern for me because I feel like Tammy doesn't necessarily pose a threat. I don't think Tammy's a threatening striker. I feel like Tammy is very, he can be instinctive and a, a good instinctive finisher in the box when he has time. But beyond that, I don't think he, and I don't think he's a, um, a goal threat or, or a clinical enough threatening striker. I think he, he can keep a, a defence busy, but I wouldn't say he's um, a threat. So immediately, I had my back up thinking, oh, we might actually be in, in problems here because I don't think we're going to score. And I also feel like with Christiansen and Rudiger, Antonio's got more than enough PNP to give us problems. More than enough. Um, so I saw that and I thought, okay, we're going to be in big, big trouble here. Big, big trouble. That was an hour before the game. So when the game started, um, Chelsea started off okay. We didn't, weren't special. Um, it was all quite slow. And when, where, whenever we start quite slow, I always know that we're going to have a bad day. Um, because generally speaking, when Chelsea are intense and they're up for it, we, we tend to get, get the win. And you guys probably know on this pod that when it comes to a lack of intensity, I absolutely hate it. I cannot stand slow and tepid and timid football. It just doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me. You know, it doesn't sit right with me. And that's the same what goes for players. I don't like players that aren't intense and aren't at it. It, it just it frustrates the life out of me. So seeing like lackadaisical players like Alonso, Rudiger, and even Christiansen to a degree, like on the ball and just, just the way they play in their actions is just frustrating. But Jay, actually no, we'll go with Joe. What did you think of the lineup? And what did you think of like the first, I guess the first half? Um, because many will say that we're quite lucky to go in at half time. Um, well, no, many will think uh, before the goal, before half time, many were thinking that we're quite lucky to, to be in front. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very, very similar concerns to you, me, to be honest. Um, you know, for all of Andreas Christensen's quality as a, as a footballer, I still have massive reservations about him as a centre-back in the Premier League, particularly in the two. And I think the way Antonio just basically picked on him the entire first half and obviously the second half as well. But for the for the disallowed goal, the VAR goal, I think Christensen was way over the place. Um, and I just, it, just to talk about this in detail, but... the it is interesting with stats, though, because the, the thing is, when you're looking at games and you're, you're looking at the stats, um, it's quite odd. So I, I feel like a lot of people said that Christiansen 
had a bad game. Um, I wasn't sure. I, I watched the game twice now, and I wouldn't say he had a bad game. I think he had two very bad moments, and I thought that's the funniest thing with Chris Jensen. Like you can have a yeah, great moments. Game. Yeah, you're right. You can have a very good game, but then he will have two costly moments. It's almost like a David Luiz syndrome. Um, I wouldn't say it happens as frequently, but it definitely happens with Chris Jensen, where he has a moment that switches off, and that moment would be very, very costly. I, I, I could even cite a couple of games, like the, the Bayern Munich game, where he had two costly moments that literally made the game from 1-0 to 3-0. Like, very, very yeah. bad moments. And again, with the second goal yesterday, um, just shocking. Shocking, really, because your concern is, oh, I don't want to trod on Antonio after he falls on the floor. Then you completely forget he's there after a cross comes in. Boggled me, absolutely boggled me. But let's pick apart the game bit by bit. So the first goal that we conceded, where do, what, what do we say? What what do we say about that? I mean, I mean, can we can we start with the Rudiger moment in the corner flag? That well, that's so, that's the first goal. That's what leads so to the first goal. There there are bits of play that I mean that, that stick out to me for just how comically bad they've been at Chelsea. The number one all, that always makes me laugh is that time Pedro dribbled from the halfway line and gave, gave away a corner. That's like yeah. one of my all-time silly moments. They didn't score. This, though, was like on a completely different level in terms of incompetency, in terms mm-hmm. of just how ludicrous it was. This is a professional Premier League footballer, a German international centre-back, who, <laughs> like, I, I just, like, thinking back to the kick now, I don't really know how to explain what he's done. He sort of won the ball, and instead of maybe giving away a throw-in or just actually maybe stopping, turning around and trying to clear it, he's just sort of like like a little five-year-old who's trying to control the ball, just sort of dribbled it off for a corner. It's so, and you look at him and thinking like, this is this that some people genuinely were touting as a captain, Chelsea. Do you know I heard what so is? many people shouting for him to be captain. It was so odd because yeah, him and Kante, and presumably like Rudiger does, he shouted and said, "Okay, Kante, this is mine. I've got it." Um, so it's weird because you look at this and you think okay we've just had a goal disallowed like 10 minutes ago and corners the club knows you've been practicing corners all week because Frank Lampard said we've been practicing corners because we know that they're bigger than us and stronger than us so we've been practicing defender set pieces so you know they're a threat and you know you're relatively weak from corners you had plenty of time to sort your feet out and pass it out for a throw-in. You didn't even need to pass it out. You could have just cleared it down the line. Yeah. You had plenty of time to do all of that. But he kicked it out for a corner kick under no pressure. Jay, I don't... I need to bring I've you I've just in watched here. it back it's again on YouTube. It's, 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 it's so bad. Insane. It's actually insane. And yeah. before I finish this rant, all the Chelsea fans that were saying... Because at the beginning of the season, we were having... Um, set piece issues from preseason, even so. On this podcast, we literally said, Hmm, from preseason, and I'm gonna quote P- Palumi here, Hmm, when it mm. comes to set pieces, we are looking very, very shoddy, very, very shoddy. And we we're hoping that the coaching staff would have addressed this. Um, like we, we were expecting TV issues, so we said, Probably by December, hopefully, it'll be sorted out. But then you had fans, fans of, of the of even the podcast quoting us and saying, oh, once Rudiger gets back, we'll be fine. Once Rudiger gets back, we'll be fine. And I remember quite vividly saying, Rudiger is not the defender you guys think he is. Rudiger somehow, 
somehow has become our best defender by not playing. Somehow, Rudiger has elevated to this saviour status because he's not played. And it is no shock that our results have been up and down and downtrodden, really, since Rudiger's come back into the side. No surprise whatsoever. Our defensive solidity that we had with Tomori and Zuma has completely gone out the window the moment Rudiger has got back in. I find it boggling. Jay, talk me through the goal as well, because it's just ridiculous. That, that, that first goal, yeah, I think it was like on about 45, no, it was on about 46 minutes and 30 seconds, I think, when we got a throw-in. Mm. And the throw-in, it, it went from, Alonso took a throw-in, it went to, it went to Tammy. Already, that's the wrong decision. Like, <laughs> we're, 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 nearly, we're, we're nearly there, half-time, we're nearly there, yeah? Throw it line, bro. Yeah. Throw it away from the goal, not infield. Yeah. Alonso has this, this habit of, of going infield every time he's got the ball, mm-hmm. whether it be a pass, whether it be a throw, whether it, whatever it is, he just passes it back inside all the time. Doesn't, doesn't care if there's two players around you, doesn't care if he never looks, you. never looks anywhere, he, he never looks, no awareness, he throws it straight in. So that's the we, first thing. Tammy, all the time, like Alonso, the time. he has he takes no due care with anything he does apart from shooting, like he has no, no due care. And it was put quite perfectly by Ashley Cole um, yesterday on, on, on Sky Sports. Yeah. You have to want to defend. You have to want to do the work. You have to want to do stuff. You can tell Alonso doesn't actually give a damn about anything apart from shooting and scoring. Bro, he, he, throws, it, he, throws, it in, he throws it into Tammy, yeah? Tammy, Tammy controls it. But obviously, because he's under pressure, he's just kind of like knocked it back again. Like, that's not even his strength, isn't it? Yeah. Tammy's been playing shocking the whole game. He's tapped it back to Alonso. Now, Alonso's just, again, passed the buck to Kovacic, and the Kovacic's got no options. So he's tried to go in field. And mm-hmm. Fornauza's intercepted it, and he's played, he slid the ball down the line, yeah, for Rudiger. Mm-hmm. Now, Rudiger's in a foot race with Antonio, and he's been doing this all game. To be fair to him, he had a few foot races where he won. Like, he won against Antonio. But this time, I think he even wins this one, and it, and it obviously pops off now. But what I don't understand is, yeah, he has two options. You can just clear it for a throw-in, mm-hmm. whack it the first time, just clear it for a throw-in, or you can even try what most players do in that situation and try to hit it off the player. Yeah. Simple as. That's like that basic shit. And then what he tries to do, he tries to take his time. I don't even know what he was doing. I just... Oh, my God. It ultimately made no sense. And I... When I saw that happen... One, I knew it was a goal. One, I, yeah. I absolutely knew it was a goal because when those sort of things happen, Chelsea are always punished. Always punished. Well. I mean, we... I wouldn't even say it's unlucky. I just... Gen, whenever those kind of moments happen where things happen where they shouldn't happen, we are always punished. And it's yeah. almost... And I thought, to be honest, I thought we deserved it. It was, it, I thought we deserved it. It was coming, yeah, for, yeah, from, it from coming all, all half. Hoping, <laughs> things for me, I was hoping we'd get into half time and um, obviously secure the result, like secure the one now at half time. But it was coming, we deserved it, and players like Rudiger ultimately will always cost us. Now, where do we even, where do we even go with the defensive mar- the marking, right? So, obviously, Aspilaqueta. There's a comedy of errors in that goal in the corner. Yeah. So, let's break them down bit by bit. 
as to why, because people are saying, oh, no, certain people can't be blamed. How can you blame Kepa? How can you blame him? <laughs> I'll break it down for you because I feel like a lot of people watch through like tinted glasses, so certain players aren't, are immune to criticism. For me, I don't care who you are. I will criticise you. It doesn't matter, right? I don't care if you're a fave or whatever. It don't matter to me, really and truly. So we'll break down a goal. Cross comes in, great corner. But it's not an unstoppable one where it's like right on the head of someone. But let's work. So Aspilicueta, who is five foot ten, I believe, is on one of the biggest players on the pitch. Um, I don't know his <laughs> name. Um, I think he's one of, a, a new West Ham signing. Some lanky centre back. Very, uh, very tall guy. Um, but cool. As for the question, is five foot ten. This player is six foot four. Now, Tammy Abraham is six foot three, but he's on the line, on the goal line, which is odd because Chelsea strikers notoriously have always been the player to attack the ball. So, I don't know. Uh, it, it's not making any sense to me. Uh, this is from Sari. This is from Jose. This is from Conte. This is from. We've always done this. We've always had the centre forward spare to attack the cross whenever it comes in. Yeah, that front post area. If it comes into your zone, you attack it. So why Tammy's on the line, only God knows. But also, why Tammy is not on the six foot four centre half or centre midfielder and Tammy's on him is shocking. So one, that I blame Lampard because that set up and, well, actually, I'll blame Lampard if he did not instruct Tammy to mark him I'll blame Tammy and Abraham, uh, Tammy and Aspi for not sorting that out on the pitch if it was instructed, right? So if Tammy was instructed to be on that guy and he wasn't, I'm blaming Tammy and Aspi, right? Cool. Aspi as captain, right? You're seeing that you were struggling in the first instance with him. Exactly. You then pull the spare man who is Tammy and say, look, I, I-, I need help here. Let's not, and then we'll talk about Rudiger as well. So Rudiger, for the, both the disallowed goal and the second goal, I mean, and the first goal, shocking, because he was just standing there, the ball thrown <laughs> right over his head. I'm like, how is this possible? Again, people say, oh, he's our best centre-half. He's the best in the air. No, he is not. Rudiger nice is actually shocking in the air. If I told you that Rudiger only won two of his duels yesterday, aerial duels yesterday, you'll tell me I'm lying. Chris Jensen won double. Double. And Chris Jensen's not great in air either. So, Rudiger, shocking. Yeah? But again, it wasn't directly, I'm not going to directly blame him. But if you are attacking the space, and he is the free man now. So it's not Tammy at this point. It's him. But if you're the free man, you clear that ball. Because it didn't, it didn't go way over your head. It just brushed over your head. You're, that's poor. That's poor. You mistimed your jump. You failed in your job. Poor. But cool. Where was Kepa going? <laughs> Where was Kepa, Kepa was going, going for a walk. Kepa was going to the shops. Kepa, I don't know what he was doing. Oh, and then there's Kepa. So then there's Kepa. So Kepa, who couldn't even punch someone that he hated the most. It's embarrassing. It's, it's actually embarrassing. He tries to go for it. Then he's like, oh, you know what? Kante's there. So Kante, like, it's like, there's two players. So Kante's on the player. He tries to go for a punch. He can't go through any of them. Why? Why are you not able to wipe out anyone? Like, why don't... It doesn't make any sense. I, we've never had a goalkeeper... 
When the unexpected comes calling, bounce forward with Comcast Business. Bounce forward fast with internet speeds up to a gig. And bounce forward with security solutions that help keep your connected devices protected. Help your business bounce forward with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Prepaid card offer ends 12-13-20. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. That is so incapable of coming out for crosses, ever. This is actually diabolical. We've never had one. We've never had one this bad. We've actually never had a goalkeeper incapable of coming out. We can go from Carlo Cudicini, from Ed De Hoy. We can go. We can go to anyone, anyone that we've had as our first team goalkeeper. We have never had this. So he comes out, he flaps at it, then goes back into goal, and that header was so tame. So slow. I don't one, I don't know how it got past Kepa, but in fact I do because Kepa was out it's of Kepa. position. So <laughs> as usual, Kepa's out of position. But then Tammy Abraham. So I'm not gonna only blame you or blame the setup for you not being on this tall guy anyway. But the ball literally trickled over the line. And I say how many times has the ball trickled over the line against us? How many it's times? Been there quite a few times this season, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is insane. So the ball has trickled. And Tammy, this, why are you falling over? Like, you have more than enough time to attack the ball and get it away. Yet, you decide to fall over and clear. Uh, what are, you, are you trying to dramatize? It's like he's trying to dramatize like, the, the, the clearance. For an Ashley Cole style, yeah. Yeah, like, you, you know, know someone clears the ball or does a last-minute save and they try and make it acrobatic and dramatic. Yeah. Uh, that's what I saw. I'm thinking, what, what are you actually doing? <laughs> you, you know, with the goal, with, um, with like, obviously with Aspie, like, he does what he can to, mm. to, to um, put the guy off. And, mm. and he actually does quite well because if you look at the header, the reason why it was so tame, the reason why it was so tame is because Aspie did his job the best he could right. in terms of, getting into his body, making sure that he can't get a proper run on it right. and like getting as much power on the header as possible. But you see Kepa. To be fair, yeah. I'm being a bit harsh on SP. I'm only blaming yeah, him because I feel like if you were to swap um, positions, then yeah, it could have been avoided. But then I'm being slightly yeah. harsh on Aspen. You're right, yeah, to be fair. No, that, but, that, but that's a shout anyway, because like you said, your captain, you sort out, if you're uncomfortable with something, you sort it out on the pitch. And this is the, that whole thing of like people saying, oh, but, you know, um, the manager can sort it. Like, what could he do at the time? He can't get in, involved in the game or whatever. Like you said, he's captain. As a captain, you are, you're basically the manager on the pitch mm-hmm. as a captain. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what you're meant to do. So if the first goal from VAR... We've spoken about exactly. SP and his leadership qualities. We, we know. We know he's not exactly. a leader. We know he's it's not. Vocally, vocally, I don't think he is that guy. And, and, that, and that's why things like that, when you're expecting things like that to happen, they don't happen. Because yep. he, is, he is one of those guys that leads, um, leads by, example, by example. example. Yeah, yeah, in terms of performance. But in terms of the goal, um, the first goal that got chalked off the, um, by VAR, the same setup happened. So um, Soichet ran, ran, ran around the back post. He got onto it, and then obviously they fall over, whatever, knock it in, it gets chalked off. So that's the first time. So now you already know, cool, that's happened, you've struggled. Yeah. But you haven't decided to change it. Cool, you don't change it, 
you do as you, you do as well as you can to put him off, and and I think has to be done quite well in that situation, considering the header. When you actually look at the header, the header wasn't actually that yeah. threatening. But this is where Kepa needs to take responsibility because you you've tried to come out and punch the ball when really and truly, if you just stay on your line and you just you you stay on your line, that probably just just goes right into 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 your body, right into well, your hand. Maybe not because it's Kepa, so maybe not. Maybe not. So, maybe. so like those kind of things, I just think, yeah, it's. It's just really, really poor. Like, so many decisions leading up to that goal were so poor that it just definitely highlights the lack of leadership we have everywhere in very important places on the pitch. Yeah. Goalkeeper, in terms of um, even, like, to agree as a captain, as a centre-back, like, major, major, like, positions, important positions right. at the back where you, you know need leadership, what? and we don't have any of it. Do you know what's incredible, yeah? So what I've decided to do yeah, is when I'm looking at the running, I'm not even looking at the fixtures. I'm not even looking at necessarily form. But what you do, yeah, I implore any Chelsea fan to do this, is to go through the spine of each side, yeah? And then look at us, and then tell yourself, do you think we'll get top four? And I'm going to ask you, and I'll say this, because if you go down the spine of Wolves, you've got Rui Patricia. You've got Cody. You've also got you've got Jabba Moutinho in midfield. You've got um, Neves in midfield. You've got Don Decker in midfield. Strong, s- solid spine. Then you've got Traore. And then you've got Jimenez. That's a solid spine, right? Manchester United. Kept, um, De Gea, who is not in fantastic form, but still light years ahead of Kepa, right? Maguire. Pogba. Matic, Pogba, right? Fernandez, I wouldn't say he's a part of the spine, but you know. And then you've got a Rashford or or or, or Martial. Chelsea, Kepa, Riza Berlaga, Rudiger, Kante, and Tammy Abraham. That is literally the spine. That's that a, that's actually- our so-called spine, right? So. How is every segment of our spine failing? And before Kante, and Kante, I won't even say that he's failing. Kante is doing a job there. He's doing okay. I won't say he's been fantastic. Yeah, that was our spine. That was our spine, bro. So even if you bring in Jorginho, even if you bring in Jorginho and say, like you know, the Jorginho Abbey's out, bring them out, whatever. Even if Jorginho as part of our spine. Are you not actually all right? Are you thinking about what, is, what, what we're seeing right now? So I look at things and I say, look, objectively, objectively speaking, there are certain things that can't run, right? Certain players don't deserve to be at our club. Kepa, we've managed, we carried him to the Europa League final. He had one moment in terms of saving a penalty, but we carried him, yeah? We, we won that because he, didn't have, he barely had to make a save. In the final, we barely had to make a save. So we won that. Cool. In terms of the Carling Cup final, well, we all know what happened there. Um, he shouldn't play for our club. He's nowhere near good enough. He's nowhere near good enough. People, I said, someone had the nerve to say today, oh, based on what? Me saying that Kepa's not good enough. They said, based on what? I said, excuse me? Every observable met on the every planet. Single, every observable metric. 
every single observable metric that is possible for a goalkeeper says that he is nowhere good enough. Even in terms of distribution, it is at best decent. Decent. It's not fantastic. It is nowhere near good enough for you to think, you know what? He's not that good in goal, but because he's so good with his feet and he is so critical to what we do with the ball, that we can, we, we can allow it. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. So you've got one in Kepa who costs £72 million, who is by far and away the worst bit of transfer business in English football history, period. Nothing comes close. Not Fernando Torres, not Shevchenko, not Andy Carroll, nothing. Not Kleb, not um, um, Kleberson, none of it. Not Jemba Jemba, nothing comes close to this deal. <laughs> Nothing yeah, comes schools coming up. And you want to know why? He cost 72 million pounds, right? We've offered him a, what was it, a six-year contract? Six Seven. For making the second highest paid player in our club, right? Insane. What? What? Insane. What is that? How is that making any sense? Just from a business perspective, that is just horrid business. And he's un- he was an unproven prospect. Prospect. Unproven. These times that even in Spain, they said he was unremarkable. Every scout report that was on him said unremarkable. It made no sense. The, the sign made no sense. Because I remember when we signed him, I sent an article, and uh, there was um, a detailed analysis of Kepa and his strengths and weaknesses. He had no strengths. And his weaknesses were very apparent. So when I sent that, I sent that scout report to Sof, and I said, this could be a big mistake here. From the first game we saw him against Arsenal, what happened? Weak wrists. It was on the scout report. His weak, his, weak, his shot stopping when it comes to getting down low to the right side, poor. Lo and behold, it's been a feature of his game. That left that, that right hand side of his weakness, clear as. So then you're thinking, okay, maybe he'll improve. But that optimism, really and truly, for Chelsea fans, shouldn't have lasted two years. And that's what it is. People are saying he'll get better. He's 24. People are saying he'll get better. <laughs> the, optimism, the optimism is still just two years. How are you not see like, why are you not opening your eyes and literally seeing what, what is before you? Mm. That being said, I'm not blaming Kepa for the loss. No, no, no. I'm not. But over the years, a winning football team, any football team, in fact, any winning football team that goes on to do stuff, a goalkeeper should be able to pull something. Yeah. Not everything, but something out of the hat where they save you. With a save, and you, you're like, fuck, yes, yeah, you've saved us. How many times has Kepa done that? I can't, I can't think, me, to be honest. I mean, I'm thinking immediately back to, uh, in Courtois first signed, he had that one-on-one with Vardy. Was it against Leicester in the Prem yes. or one of the Leicester strikers? I'm no, thinking, no, oh, this is a goal. Courtois comes that bang, safe. You know what I mean? So you, you look for a moment where a keeper saves you. But Kepa doesn't provide that whatsoever. And I don't think any Chelsea fan can look anyone in the eye and say, you know what, Kepa inspires that. Kepa definitely, when it comes to a moment where, a clutch moment where he saves you and and saves a result, never, never. This is the fifth time, this is a stat. It's the fourth or fifth time that Kepa has conceded with every shot he's faced. On top. I don't know if you, brother, I don't know if you know realize it. It's mad, and I, and the thing is, I don't know if you guys, but I always see yeah, Rudiger 
badding up Kepa. I always see it. Yeah. All the time, I see Rudiger turning around and badding up Kepa. Not to mention, like, it's bad enough that Rudiger's bad, isn't it? It's bad yeah. enough. Like, you've got a player that's so crap in front of you turning around and telling you what to do when you're the one that can see the whole game. Do you mm. know what I'm saying? And this, this just tells me everything you need to know about Kepa. Mm. Because no way, any, any keeper that I've ever spoken to or played with, they've always been that. They don't take no shit, bro. Like, that's their goal. Do you get what I'm saying? That's their baby. Like, they're protecting that. So if they're telling you to do something, you do it, innit? But with Kepa, I don't even feel like he's even telling them where to position themselves. He's not telling them time. You know, he's not telling them, like, where the man's coming from, where to put the ball out to. He's not saying a word. Jay, I've got got a question for you, Jay, quickly. So, like, Jay Jay won't, like, mind me saying this, but he's probably played pretty decent standard football compared to people who do podcasts. And one of the things I, I want to ask him is, if you have a goalie who you know behind you is, is pretty dreadful, how does that affect the confidence of everyone playing ahead of him? How do you feel? Because I know you play left-back. How does that feel? Bro, you? Yeah, 100%. It makes, you, it makes you much more nervous because you, you automatically know. You, you, like, you try to overcompensate to make sure that the keeper's not... Um, yeah. What do you call it? The keeper's not exposed. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So... Sometimes you might start second-guessing what you're doing. Or even in corners, for example, yeah? When you've got the amount of confidence it gives you as a defender, when your keeper alone just comes out and takes all that pressure off you. Do you know what I mean? Are you forgetting... So remember when Courtois first replaced Czech? And everyone was asking, oh, Czech's a legend, you know, we shouldn't really replace with Thibaut, but Thibaut did so well at Letty. Cool. The first game, game one. Pluck. 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 Corner out the air. (laughs) He comes yeah. out, pluck. And I think it was against Everton. I think it was... No, no, no. It wasn't against Everton. It was against Burnley. It was against Burnley, game one. Yes, it was Burnley, yeah, because Costa Burnley scored that game, one, yeah. Right? And they scored a great, they scored a great goal um, early doors. But no, no fault of anyone, they really. The ball just popped out and there was a volley. Um, yeah. And then there was a moment just before... It almost went 2-0. Well, it wasn't almost, but they, they had a corner. And this was the first time in like Chelsea colours you saw Courtois come out and claim the ball. He came out because the, fir- the first goal came from a corner and the ball popped out and they scored. So then you're worrying about, oh, what's going to happen again? Um, Courtois came out, grasp. From then on, it was all over. Because Chelsea just started playing, popping, and this is where we scored that great, great goal. Um, yeah. Costa, we had a corner. Costa, bottom corner, it came out to him, popped out, 1 1. Second goal, the great Schurler goal, um, team goal, 2 1, game over. So, and, and, and it goes back to as well. That's the thing, those moments as a keeper can literally have a transformative effect on the team. On your whole performance. On your whole performance. And the thing is, what Kepa does now, and what we have too many of in the team now, are players that make the opponent confident to start trying things yeah. so what they do now they look at Kepper and they say whip it in get as much whip on it as possible yeah. don't yeah. worry about who it goes to just whip it in good delivery and we'll get a goal from this lot yeah. and then and they look at Alonso and they say if you want to choose which side to go down you know what go down Alonso's side yeah. you'll get past him you'll yeah. get past him. and sometimes you won't even be there you see what I'm saying <laughs> so it's like You've got a combination of, of calamity. <laughs> it's actually insane. So then, actually, so then, cool. So then, the Kepa, the, so the, the first goal, 
there's a lot of blame. So we could I'll blame Rudiger for giving away the corner going the corner in the first place was stupid. I blame the SP Tammy debacle. Haverty's Furniture is here to help you get set for the season with up to a thousand dollars off. So you can set the stage with style and set the bar more beautifully. So why not settle in together on a new sofa? Because being at home doesn't mean having to settle for less. Even though the holidays feel a little different this year, Haverty's Furniture can help you create the perfect holiday setting with up to $1,000 off plus 0% interest. I'll also Kepa heavily for coming out and not wiping out everyone and getting that ball away. And then yeah. I'll bring Tammy on the line who was embarrassing. Embarrassing. Yeah. Um, in terms of his overall performance, Tammy Abraham, diabolical, um, shocking, um, abject, and quite frankly, I want to say disgraceful, but at the same time, I somewhat feel sorry for him. But then at the same time, look, you've been thrusted into this position as our number one striker, and by hook, by crook, or by just desserts, you scored your goals, you've done your job. Ultimately, you want, you've come back from the break, you've been poor. Um, to be fair, even before the break, you were poor. Um, so the confidence that was instilled in you is obviously ran, ran empty. Um, Giroud's come in and looked infinitely better. Infinitely better. So when Tammy started and I saw his name on the team sheet, I'm like, oh, we're in trouble. Because the moment that you play against the deeper block, right, you need Giroud. Giroud against a deep block where you've got most of the ball, it's a no-brainer. You play Giroud. He played yeah. Giroud. There was no space for Tammy to operate. There was nothing for him to... He, he couldn't do anything. That, and when it comes to link up, hold up, everything was baggy. His touch was baggy. His passing was off. I remember there was a, a moment in the first half where Tammy just needs to square it to William and we've got a cross on. And Pulisic in the box. He passed it out for a throw. It's just, no. Poor. Tammy, absolutely poor. Now, we'll talk about William. Uh, that strat, I want to talk on some goods because we've been a, a, quite... A, Quite negative so far. Um, Pulisic. <laughs> Pulisic. Um, let's talk about Pulisic. Um, so again, um, we had some some comments in the chat and on um, the timeline as well in regards to Pulisic and about his not necessarily renaissance, but his coming of age really. Um, and Jay, obviously, I know yeah. you're a big fan of his. Um, but when it comes to Pulisic, pretty much again, everything you said about the kid is that, again, if he adds a bit of intensity to his game, he'll be a big, big problem. He'll be a big problem. Um, and now he's added intensity, you can see. He's, he's a big, big threat. And quite evidently and clearly our most dangerous player. Um, Jay, what did you think of Pulisic's performance? And for me, really, I felt he was quite unlucky to be on the losing side. But um, what did you think yeah. of his performance? He did score today. I mean, score um, um, against West Ham. But what did you think of his performance? Yeah, to, to to be honest, um the first the first half against West Ham, I was like, um like I could see he was getting some nice touches here and there, but it just wasn't enough. Mm. And again, I'm gonna stay consistent because when you're at a club at a level of Chelsea and you wanna be deemed like this this dangerous top player, you've got to do much, much more than what he did in the first half. But he obviously had that chance where it just went wide. And when I saw that I thought, ah, oh, you know what, this He's looking like it might be one of them games for him, you know, where he kind of like he looks kind of bright and he looks like he's trying to do things, but he might kind of fade out of the game. Yeah. But what I was impressed with is that second half, 
Um, and and I, I always remember what Pell said about Pulisic when he said, I think on the last pod that we did, or the pod before, he said that when Pulisic starts feeling himself, he's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think in the second half, I don't know what clicked for him, but then he started really like getting a feel for the game. He started picking up the ball, driving at the defenders yeah. a little bit more. You see, that's the thing with Pulisic. You think, look, he's got the minerals to like... One thing that we pointed out quite early on with Pulisic is that he's a worker, right? And, mm. um, and he's a fighter as well. So not necessarily on the pitch, but in terms of mentally and mentality-wise. Um, so if he has a setback, he's more than happy to respond. And that's, that's a great quality, right? But again, the biggest issue that I've always had with Pulisic is his lack of intensity. But in that second half, you saw a player that had the grit, that he had, he had the bit between his teeth. And uh, Joe, in terms of that second half performance from him, I wouldn't say that it was Eden Hazard-ish, but mm. I'd say it's as close as you could possibly get without obviously the, the incredible ability, but a one-man army type situation, I felt like I was seeing with the, the, that Pulisic performance in the second half. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that, actually. I think he uh, sort of very talismanic, you know, he, in sort of the way that he, he kind of took the, the game by the scruff of the neck in the second half in particular. I think on, on Pulisic, just some, some comments I've seen on social media towards the, the account. When, when he came to Chelsea, I think the reservations were, and I think probably for all of us, and probably to varying degrees, is that I don't think any of us really kind of knew what player he was. Mm. He didn't have goal numbers. He didn't have massive assist numbers. I don't think he really had like a defined style of play when he came here. And that, for me, is always something that worries me when we get a player. And it's not clear, like, if you're getting a Timo Werner, he's a goal scorer, he does this. You can, you can identify, like, really clear characteristics that he has. I think over probably the lockdown period and, and the past couple of games we've seen, I'm starting to see that identity now with Pulisic. As you say, I think it's now, as Jay was saying, it's consistent. It's about having that, that bright patch that he has in a game, having that for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes, you know, instead of like 10, 15 minute spells that he has. But the second half in particular, he for me looked like the only player capable of actually doing something. And when we look at the, the you know, if you were to grade the players, you know, I think probably him maybe willing because he scored two goals, but Pulisic probably the only player really who could leave that pitch with his, with his head held high. Um, his touch, his dribbling ability. And you know what I love about him? He's just direct. You know, we've, we've, I think Hazard was great to watch because he toyed with people and he had that just insane ability to make stuff happen for him. Pretty sick. He's different, man. Just gets the ball, drives at people, directs. And you can, you can kind of see now what the sort of player is trying to become. Mm. Little times in, in the group chat, I think that he's, he's learned so much of Pedro this season in terms of the player that he's trying to be. You know, he, he's the only winger we have who wants to run in behind. He could take it to feet. He's got that nice ability to finish. So if he's trending towards that kind of player, you might kind of, at least in the last couple of performances, I think that that is where his game is heading. That mm. for me is a massive positive because I wasn't particularly high on him coming in the season. Yeah. If he finishes the season with this kind of form, then he's a weapon next season. But it's, it's all about consistency now. You know, take the game by the scruff of the neck, but longer periods now, that, that's what he's got to start aiming for because I think he's got the, the skills to be a top player. Well, the thing with Pulisic, right, is from what I've noticed, especially, is... Um, I feel like before the lockdown, I felt like he was at the, on the periphery. Um, yeah. So he wasn't necessarily uh, a nailed-on starter or someone that you could say that you, you're going to rely upon because his injury um, issues, generally his play wasn't great. Um, he did have some contribution. We're not going to um, completely disagree or, or dismiss what he was doing, but he wasn't a consistent enough threat or consistent enough um, presence in the match to be playing week in, week out. Um, 
But what I feel like um, this break presented him and quite a few other players, to be honest, an opportunity to really stamp their claim on positions that were open. Um, and I feel Pulisic has taken it by the scruff. And obviously now we've got, I guess, we've got a wide player in um, Hakim Ziyech coming in. Um, obviously got signed Timo Werner. Um, and we're looking at um, Kai Havertz. That's three forward players. And instead of sulking, instead of moaning, instead of downing tools, um, that some may argue that Tammy has, Pulisic yeah, uh, has taken every game that he's been in pretty much by the scruff or try to. And I don't care if you do it or not in a game, really, truly. Because um, as long as you try to do it, I'll have no issues with you. As long as you put in the effort or try and do your max, I won't have an, I won't have an effort. Ultimately, your quality may, may lack. But if you're trying to and you've got the capacity to, I'm not going to have an issue. So Pulisic, yeah, yeah. a million percent, has used this opportunity, this break, to really take things by the scruff and at least force his way into Lampard's thinking for yeah. the season. At the very least. I think it's so like- different, though, to earlier in the season. And, and that, yeah. that's what I, I wasn't quite understanding with some of the comments towards, obviously, stuff that we've said. Mm. Is I think if you think that you're watching the same player from, like, you know, August, September time, I don't true. know what kind of games you've been watching. It's not true. There are games that he's, uh, even the Burnley game, I think he scored three fantastic finishes. If you if you were to watch highlights and those goals went in, I don't think you would have picked him out as a player on the pitch. Yeah. But now, now I think he's now he's become a noticeable player. His impact is is tangible. You can see that he's impacting the game. And teammates now, I think we're actually looking to him as an outlet for the ball. Whereas before, it was like, oh, you know, if it gets there, it gets there. Now it's like let's feed him. For which me, is a lot, lot different. For me, the game against West Ham, I think was his best performance or best half of football for Chelsea. I, yeah, it's a good chat. I think I think clear as day because regardless if he didn't score, involved. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he scored. He didn't score, but every time he got the ball, he was creating danger. Every time he got the ball, it was like warning sign to West Ham. He kept pushing them back. So I that was definitely for me his best performance or his best half at least at the very least. Obviously the goals aside at Burnley, the goal against Man City, you know. I could put that all aside. Actual performance, because those were moments. He had great moments in those games, but yeah. in terms of performance, as in piecing everything together, yeah, for me, this was his best performance. I think the reason why it was more impressive as well was because we were kind of struggling <laughs> to get going. We were struggling to get things yeah. going. Mm-hmm. So it's like when Pulisic was trying to—he he was literally trying to just carry carry us on his back in that game in terms of creativity and trying to make stuff happen. And the, the only reason why I reckon we didn't win that game is because we probably had, you know, people like, as well as Willian did, yeah, for that free kick. I'm not going to lie, that free kick was crazy. But as well as Willian did, he actually had a very shocking game. He did. Like, he had, he had a very shocking game. And all he needs to do is add a few moments, like, similar to what Pulisic was doing, outside of scoring the penalty and, and scoring the free kick. But, Look dangerous, innit? And I think we win that game. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's what that's the reason we bought people like Werner and 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 um, Ziyech. Because Werner and Ziyech are not going to be standing around waiting for things to happen like that. Right. Do you know what I mean? The thing is, so, though, well, that being said, with William, yeah, again, it, it's going to seem quite harsh because he scored the goals um, that kept us in the game. It's going to be quite harsh, but I'm not I'm not of the the type to be judging a player on their goals. Especially like, just, I'm just not going to mask an entire performance just if they score goals. I, I can't do that. 
You have to assess not off a pen and a free kick. Not off yeah. a pen and a free kick. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to assess the entire performance. And I feel like, yes, the free kick was incredible for me. It was absolutely incredible. But in terms of um, being a threat, being dangerous, and occupying Cresswell, for me, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't do that. Um, disappointing. Uh, disappointing. But also, I just and then I just look at obviously our our attack. Um, it never fills me with confidence when we've got a, an attack with Tammy Abraham, Pulisic, and um, William. Because I just, I never feel that there's enough goals. Um, so yeah, all in all, the performance. Um, yeah, but sorry, we're gonna go back. We we'll have to talk about the the second goal. Sorry, West Ham. Their second goal. Good grief. Who again? I, I think like before, before, before we even scored, like before they scored, I tweeted, "Look, because I, I retweet, I kind of tweeted about probably like five months ago. I tweeted, look, Rudiger and Kepa. If it's not them, it's Alonso. Lo and behold, <laughs> right? so Alonso, his, his, his own fuckery was was loading, but Rudiger for the second goal." Good grief. He fouled, he fouled, he fouled um, Antonio. That yeah, could have been a penalty. A pen. That probably would have been a penalty. Um, and then, obviously, Chris Jensen on the floor. Uh, not Chris Jensen, I mean, Antonio's on the floor. Chris Jensen steps over him and steps back and completely forgets about him and leaves a gaping hole. Yeah. But what the, is that? the problem with that, there are so many errors leading up to that goal. The fact that Rudiger was turned inside out by Antonio. So easily, it's scary. It is scary. It is scary. And that was a that happened more than once in the first half. Remember, Antonio had that shot where he burst and Rudiger. And I'm like, yeah, Antonio's got him on on toast, on toast. Embarrassing. And then the goal, I I was disgusted at Christensen's reaction and just horrified that Rudiger allowed. And turned to do all that to him. Incredible, incredible. Just not good enough. I think that, the thing that, that's crazy to me is I, I've seen some people today saying, I mean, we'll talk about the third goal in a second, but the, the way that, that Antonio, I mean, as you say, I mean, it, it was like watching street football, like seeing someone get completely embarrassed in a cage where they drip over. Crazy. He's done that, and then people going on the last goal, you know, it, it's hard to defend one on one. Rudiger isn't a good one on one defender. We know that. We've seen him get dragged into channels and have him like try and, you know, tackle Zaha or someone it's, it's embarrassing you know and, and to try and make excuses for him for not doing kind of a fundamental job of a defender i.e. getting a block in or getting a foot in is criminal it is basic when people say ah oh, like you, you can't stop that hold on if you are not being erratic yeah and I'm not I'm not a pro footballer yeah so I'm, I'm just assessing it based relative to decent defenders Decent defenders that have been that one v one. I remember earlier. Oh, dancing. I remember exactly because I remember earlier in the season there was a moment Chelsea versus Liverpool. I'll never forget it. Tomori versus Salah, where yeah. Salah was on about to come on, onto his left foot, but Tomori showed him onto his right, all the way out onto the byline and tackled him because that's what you're supposed to do. That's a one. That's a one v one, right? In terms of defensive situations, right? Tomori controlled that situation. With his pace, with his speed. But what did Rudiger do? Mate, feel free. Go on to Charleston. <laughs> but, the thing is, but, but the thing is as well, like, even 
before before that third goal, you know, on the second goal, when when firstly, obviously Alonso, he he he's done the hard part in getting there, level with um, I think it was Stop Bowen. The it was but just bro, Stop you're the there, you're there, you're right there, you're in front of him. Again, so it's like every goal was a calamity. Every single goal was a like, <laughs> nah, You know, the thing is with me, yeah, when it comes to conceding goals, I'm very like, you know what, fair enough. If it's a goal that you can, you know, it's just a great yeah, goal, yeah, yeah. it's a goal that you can't defend, I'll be like, you know what, fair enough. Because there are some things that you can accept. But as a fullback, if you are there, you're in the position to block a cross, but you don't. That's a big, big that's it's, a big it's issue. So, How it's you know, so, the, the it's first, so bad. Look, Jay, obviously you're left back. One of the basic rules of defending is if you're, if you're a fullback, you stop the cross. You stop it at source. Because if it gets into the box, anything can happen. I just... And, and the, thing is, the thing is, you get roasted. You get roasted as a left back for not being there. So, so that's what you get roasted for. More, more time you get roasted for not being there. So if you're, if you're not there, and obviously if you're not there, you can't stop the cross. But, but if, you, if you've done the hard part in getting there, you've done the hard part. You've got back. You, you're there. You're right in front of him. The ball goes through your legs, bro. Through your legs. How? How? Stop, look, you're there. Stop the cross. And then to make it worse, to make matters worse, to make matters worse, normally when a cross comes, comes into the box like that, there's normally a player that's um, occupying the centre-backs and that's the reason why like, another player might get there and score. But if you look at Rudiger, Rudiger is not occupying anybody. No. He's got nobody to deal with. He's got nobody to deal with. So he's got nobody to deal with and Christensen has just let Antonio run, run around the back of him. Has no clue where he is. So in terms of bad defending, again, from three players at this level, no, nah, Jay, on on Rudiger. If you ever watch him defend, like crosses, I was chatting about this on Twitter today. If you watch his body shape, count how many times he checks over his shoulder to see where someone is. Yeah, as a centre back, I, I literally this season in like however many games he played, I might have seen him do it twice. Like you have to be aware that now that the cross is coming like parallel, there's going to be people behind you. You know, it's not like when you, you know, you're winning a header from a goal kick and all you've got to deal with is in front of you. And so he never, ever worse. checks his shoulders. And it's like, that's, that is what you have to do. Exactly. Yeah. And to make it worse, yeah, I know, I know Declan Rice playing CDM for them. But Declan was doing what our centre-back should have been doing for like almost bro? the whole game, bro. Yeah. Bro, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, whole game. Declan Rice, because we're linked with him. So I think that was a, a, a fantastic audition from him. But let, let's talk about him. Yeah. So... His performance in terms of crosses and stopping crosses, that is exactly what you have to do. Yes. You know what I mean? So, not even necessarily screen, screening, because he would tuck into the centre-back position and clear. That, and he was just clearing it, yeah. And he was He's so aware of where everyone is. He was checking his black wing mirrors all the time. He was looking, yeah. looking all the... So, I'm looking at... I looked at then the, 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 the start comparison to what Chris Jensen did for the goal, the second goal. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Chris Jensen didn't look once until it was too late. He looked, so when the ball came in, he quickly checked to see his right. He didn't see him. And then it was too late. It's gone. I'm like thinking, what is happening here? What is actually happening here? Because it's almost like these defenders are defending with an expectation that the left back stops the cross. No, bro. No. That ain't how it works. You defend like the ball's going to come in. 
If it doesn't come in, fantastic. If it comes in, you're there to deal with it. What are you doing? Just it's incredible. It's incredible. And obviously, the third goal goes it goes in, and it's game over. You see Alonso trying to be a striker. Um, again, the ball the game the ball breaks down. But the problem is, yeah, the ball's in the air. Kante is going up for a header with I, I, God knows who. Um, I think it might be the six foot four midfielder again. Some tank him, some absolute um, tank. <laughs> and Alonso sees it because everyone's looking at it, right? Um, so at this point, a smart, an intelligent, or a bothered. Football. You just start to get back. It's you start looking at that, and you start making the move. And also, you see that your winger that you are marking is starting to make the move, right? What does Alonso do? He makes a movement to go, to the, to go forward. Like, okay, Kante might win this. Are you actually stupid? I, like, it's either you're stupid or just not bothered. And I think it's, I, I'm scared that it's actually both. Because we talk about how lax and how careless he is with his passing. So I'm, all, I'm also starting to think that, you know what? He is lax and careless about defending because he doesn't care about it. Yeah, he doesn't want to defend. That's what Ashley Cole said. That's what Ashley Cole said. He doesn't want to defend. He is literally there to try and make an impact in the final four and score. He does not want to defend, right? So he makes that movement. Immediately, that gives... Um, I completely forgot his name. Like, um, Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko. It gives yeah. Yarmolenko five yards on him. Then it's 10 yards. And Alonso's still not running at this point. We're thinking, what, what's happening here? He's still not running. By about 10, little jog. <laughs> about 10, 15 yards, now we're starting to jog. Where do, I'm just thinking, God, goodness me. I'm thinking, oh, God, what is happening? Then it's a two, isn't this a one-on-one? Rudiger doesn't show him down the line. Three, two, game over. And with that, top four is looking very, very difficult now. Again, because assess, I'm assessing the spine. Um of our team in comparison to our, our competitors and people that we're going up against. It's not looking mm. great. It's not looking mm. great. Uh, um, the only ones that, the only, per, the only thing that could probably give us some hope now is Leicester's form and the fact that everyone's playing each other and they're going to be taking, excuse me, they're going to be taking points off each other because yeah. right now it's looking very, very poor. Um, what you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wow, that's pretty cool. But those glasses kind of make you look like your Uncle Bob. Oh, not exactly the look I was going for. Um, okay, how about these clear glasses? Oh, or these round ones? Very on trend. I like both on you. You know, I also like these aviator sunglasses. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenny.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at six ninety five. You can only hope, I guess, um, that we managed to nick a couple of results because it's not looking great at all. Um, our next game is against, uh, I believe, is it Crystal Watford Palace? or Palace? Oh, We've got Watford. We've got Watford, Watford, then, Watford then Palace. Yeah. We've got Watford, then Palace. Um, Quick one, who do you not want to see in the, in the CDM role? Because I, like, I know we don't really need to talk about Kante too tough. I don't think Kante had a lot to do with... Kante was fine. For me, Kante wrong. was fine. The only issue with Kante that you know you're going to get is the fact that he's not going to be able to progress player at a speed and a, um, a quality that you want when it comes to breaking mm. teams down. That's fine. I can accept that because I know that the, offen- the defensive um, 
the defensive quality he brings and stability is more than enough for me. But yeah. in terms of progressing play, he'll never give you that. He will never, ever give you that. So, you know, it, that's definitely an area to upgrade. It's definitely an area that we could look at to upgrade because I just don't see that Kante being there is a long-term and viable solution unless you get two absolute ballers in midfield that can help, that can drop deep and become the builder um, and then move on. Otherwise, this is not going to work. Um, Interesting to see if we go three at the back. I think, I think, I genuinely feel like three at the back is necessary and I'm just hoping to God that Rudiger's not part of that three. I'm hoping to God Rudy is not part of that three because it just doesn't make it. He's going to be there, bro. He's going to be there. And this is nasty. It's incredible. He's going to hustle. Hashtag hustle. You know what it is? It's incredible how a a player can make so many mistakes, can be so poor, yet still manages to slip through the net and still manages to start. I can only hope that Frank Lampard watches that game back again and see who's at fault for most of the calamity. I, yeah. I, I can only hope that because you can't watch that and not think you know what yeah Rudy they can't warrant another game Did you, get no, you, you, you cannot reward that performance with another start he, he has been fairly meritocratic I'd say for the season I wouldn't say 100 but fairly meritocratic if you're looking at what Rudiger has done even if you think he had like an okay game the higher level prominent mistakes that he made that led to goals or led to situations happening he should get dropped. And that's hundred percent. And that's what I meant by when I like obviously I put in the group and I said, Oh, I'll be surprised if I see Tammy and and um <laughs> I'll be surprised if I see Tammy and Rudiger start again after that. Mm. And obviously everybody knows me. I get mad like after games and that when when stuff like this happens. <laughs> so I get onto these players. But the thing is, what I mean by that is not for, like ever again for the club, but like as in where we've got so many games coming up that are so important and we yeah. need our best players on the pitch. When you see a performance like that, that's not even a one-game ban, bro. That's like, you can't be touching pitch for like the next three games until you have a good time to think about what you did. Like, <laughs> you can't be coming Jermaine's back... Jermaine's putting him on the naughty game. step. Yeah, man, you can't be come, coming back one game, coming back into the team, just because one game out, bro. Those mistakes were horrific. Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrific. Rudiger and Alonso definitely should not be within, like... In the next two games, you should not be seeing them. One hundred percent. And again, Emerson had a decent performance against Leicester. So it's just, it's just an odd yeah. one. It's an odd one. But um, yeah, we'll see. We've got Watford at home, and then obviously we've got Crystal. Uh, we've got Watford um, the next game on Saturday, and then we've got Crystal Palace on Tuesday. Um, we're going to be playing, before, I believe, before Manchester United on the Tuesday. So hopefully, um, we can get up to speed, and um, you know. Yeah, hopefully we're third by Tuesday. Hopefully we're third by Tuesday. Exactly. <laughs> Mate, we we need we need back to back wins here. If we don't exactly. win these two games, it's done. Yeah, if we if we don't get these two wins against Watford and Palace, then top four is pretty much done. You know, because um, Wolves are you know up upward trajectory. Manchester United obviously upward trajectory. So things are not looking great for Chelsea. Um but again, we'll be back next week Thursday and we'll know the results by then. So um yeah, thank you guys for joining me. It's been a good one, even though it's been quite negative. Um I feel it's quite insightful. Um, <laughs> it's been nice. Yeah it's been, it's been quite uh, you know because we've managed to talk things out and you know make sure that the listeners know exactly where the, the, the faults lie. And obviously ultimately we didn't even mention this but Frank is not blameless, a million percent. No, he's not. He picks these players um, consistently. He picks these players, he picks the team. 
Um, and obviously, when it comes to tactical setups from set pieces, he is absolutely at fault because this is his setup. And we have never been this poor from set pieces. I feel like Andersari were quite poor. Um, again, when Rudiger and uh, Louise was playing, but Louise, because he's, a, he's a def defender that likes to attack the ball when it comes to defensive set pieces and just the defense and crosses, he likes to attack the ball. He masked a lot of the um, Rudiger deficiencies in the air, but now he's gone, we've got no one there. We've got no one there, apart from Zuma, who just doesn't play. So it's just, it's just odd. It is odd. I feel like one of the biggest criticisms I've, I do have of Frank is um, his capacity to completely isolate a player. I don't think that's a good look. Um, he's done it quite a few times and then brought them back in from the cold. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a good look, um, but I'm hoping that with time he'll learn. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's it really. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the list. Um, and yeah, hopefully next week, Thursday, we're going to come off with two back-to-back -back wings and a couple United and Wolves drop points. Um, but until then, we'll catch you later. Peace. Cool. Cheers, boys. When the unexpected comes calling, bounce forward with Comcast Business. Bounce forward fast with internet speeds up to a gig. And bounce forward with security solutions that help keep your connected devices protected. Help your business bounce forward with this amazing offer. For a limited time, ask how to get a $500 prepaid card. Call 1-800-501-6000 or go online today to learn more. Comcast Business. Prepaid card offer ends 12-13-20. Restrictions apply. New Comcast Business customers only. Call for restrictions and complete details. Sports Social Podcast Network.